And the clay say to the potter, Why hast thou made me thus? Hallelujah. But whatever he designs is for his glory. It's not for the clay's glory. But to the master's hands. Amen. That everybody that will willingly become pliable in the hands of the master, he will create a vessel of honor. Praise the Lord. Or if you become pliable to the other hands of hellish endeavors, then you end up in garbage cans. Praise the Lord. But I want to be in the hands of the master, don't you? Would you really love him here again today? Would you really take some time here and just love the Lord with me here today? God, we thank you so much. We give you praise and glory. How wonderful is your name in all the earth. I thank you so much, Jesus, for your wonderful, wonderful, wonderful touch. Praise the Lord. Amen. If you will be taking your Bible and turning to the book of Ephesians, which we read in your hearing yesterday, for those of you that were here, the third chapter. And while you're doing that, let me again say how honored we are to be here. And for the invitation, I count it a very high honor to be able to be here in this place at this time. And uh, last evening, we certainly were preached to. What a message. Amen. What a move of the Holy Ghost. And I appreciated it so much. It just, uh, I just like the way the Holy Ghost does things. Amen. I have been places where the Bible teacher was 180 out from the night speaker. And uh, but I like the way the Holy Ghost, I mean, it just glove in hand. Amen. Fits together. And I, I appreciate so much the ministry of Brother White and his diligence to obey the Holy Ghost. Amen. In the third chapter of the book of Ephesians, we'll not delay long here. We uh, do say we're glad for all of you that are here. We are glad for some of our folks from Molino here uh, also. And they will have to suffer through till tonight. Amen. To, because a whole lot of what... I'm saying they've already uh, went through, and uh, nothing wrong with that. I don't have just camp meeting messages. Well, praise the Lord. What I preach at home, I preach everywhere else. And what I preach everywhere else, I preach at home. Well, praise the Lord. So we are glad for those of our folks that are here, and we appreciate them very much. Hallelujah. Third chapter of the book of Ephesians. This time we'll cut to the 14th verse instead of reading uh, all the before. 14th verse. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, 
for this reason, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, and depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. And then to the Song of Solomon, chapter 1, Brother Lee, if you'd join me, please, up here to read here in a few minutes. Verse 1, the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. And we will continue today to speak about this relationship that God desires. Amen. But relationships are not made by one desire. They're made by reciprocating desires. Praise the Lord. God desires to save everybody, but not everybody's going to be saved. He died for everybody. His blood was shed for every man, but it does not cleanse every man. Well, praise the Lord. Only to those that desire I think that has a whole lot to do with that verse of Scripture. It says, whosoever will, let him come. That, that word is not just, you know, a little patter-patter of the feet on the carpet. That's talking about, I determine to do this. Will. Amen. The will of the person, whosoever will, let him come. Amen. And whoever doesn't will, doesn't come. And you lose the will. And you're going to go. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. So a relationship is a result of two desires. Meeting, interlocking, and seeming. Praise the Lord. And that is what it's all about here today. Praise the Lord. Let's talk to the Lord here again, asking His divine will in this place. Lord, we thank you once again, God, that you would touch us as only you can do. I know, Lord, that you are somehow able to speak to every heart and to every life, to look into the deep recesses of every soul. I know that without you, I can do nothing. But Lord, that by your Spirit, all things are truly possible. Let your will be done. Your name glorified above all else. And we give you the praise and the glory forever in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you as you're seated. I think it becomes apparent after some scrutiny of the word of the Lord that the Song of Solomon is not for everyone. The Song of Solomon is not a book to sinners. It is not in their ability to be able to garner from 
these writings the things that truly are here. It's not a sinner's book. No more than the very intimate love letters of one love to another love is not for strangers. It is penned in mind for a particular person. It is not in general. It is not for the mass. It is not for the crowd. It is for one, and one in particular. That's why this book opens like it does, as I tried to get you to see yesterday, that, I mean, right out of the chute, there is no preliminary outside of the introduction in verse 1 of the Song of Song, which is Solomon's, and then wham! It instantly leaps to the intimacy that this book is all about. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. This is not a book for the satisfied. This is not a book for those that are somehow settled on their lees. This is not a book for those that have got all they need. This is not a book for the lukewarm and for those that somehow believe that there's no more rungs on the ladder, that they've reached the top, they've reached the plateau, they've come to the summit, and there's nothing left for them to gain. They are professional Pentecostal. This is for folks that hunger. This is for folks that truly desire a deeper walk with Jesus. I don't care if you have been living for the Lord for up teen years. If you have lost the thirst and the desire. If you, matter of fact, to me, it's just the opposite. The longer you know Him, the more He has worked in your life, the more messages you have heard, the hand of God that has been exhibited in your life, the greater becomes your thirst, the greater becomes your hunger, and by far greater becomes your love. Praise the Lord. So it is not a book. That's why it is one that is seldom flipped through the pages and earnestly read from. Because it is not for everyone. It is an intimate love sonnet and song and letter between two lovers. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. And you'll never, you'll always be a stranger to it unless you can fall into the place of this woman. Well, praise the Lord. If not, you're going to be one of the outsiders that are just hearing words that somehow make no relevance to your spirit or to your mind. But as I said yesterday, God truly desires more from us than just a performance of duty. Ecclesiastes in it this way. This is the whole duty of man. Serve God and keep His commandments. And fear God and keep His commandments. Duty is what Ecclesiastes ends up with. This is not duty. When I was in the army, they put you on duty. That means this is prescribed work you must do. This is a whole 
duty of man. Amen. To fear God and keep his commandments. And truly, that's, that's uh, certainly a true statement. But I'll tell you what, it's got to far exceed that. Jesus said at one time, except your righteousness exceed. Amen. These folks are going through duty. But your righteousness has to far exceed these scribes and Pharisees. For they outwardly display a, a manifestation of, of, of knowing God, but they don't really know me. They do honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. That, you know, the people that their heart is far from the Lord, that's ones you gotta, you gotta, uh, course into worship. You gotta, you gotta go through calisthenics with them. You gotta tell them to do this and tell them to do that. Amen. People that's in love with God, you don't have to tell them to lift their hands. You don't have to tell them when it becomes a song and singing, glorifying God. Amen. To get with the program. Amen. Matter of fact, I just absolutely refuse to do that in my church. If you ain't got it in your heart to worship God, amen, and you best get it. Because God doesn't want some type of form and ritual that's not real. He wants it to flow up and bubble up out of you like a fountain of living water. Hallelujah. He desires more out of us than performance of duty. He truly desires a relationship. Well, I, my, that verse so often comes back to me where Jesus said, Come learn of me. And when he said that word learn there, it means more than since we don't even know anything about how tall he was. What his facial description would have looked like. Not one time outside of the, the Isaiah's description of his, his marred visage is he ever described physically. But when he said, come learn of me, he's talking about, come on, come know me, for my burden is easy. My load is light. Praise the Lord. And all these folks always griping, it's just too hard. You don't know him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. In our church, we've also studied on the virtuous woman quite a bit. Amen. In relation both to women and the sisters in the church and also godly women living for God and for the church itself. Praise the Lord. And just a little sidetrack here, but uh, you know, the gender in this book is unmistakable in the Song of Solomon. She is definitely feminine. Very definitely feminine. You can't read what she says and how she says it and the description she gives and come up with any other conclusion. She is very feminine. And for what it's worth, I'm telling you, there's a world out there today that is fighting against this book and against God's ways. That, that, they say, well, you know, uh, uh, pants on women don't really, you know, they, you know, you hear the pants suits are made for women, therefore that's women's attire. Hogwash. I said hogwash. Amen. Praise the Lord. But I was listening to uh, National Public Radio here on the radio some time back and they, they were interviewing this lady that uh, from the feminist movement which they're not feminist at all 
They're anti-feminist. That's what they really are. But they, she was coming down against this book that is in public schools in a certain place. And uh, the name of the book were, was something like this. The title was Little Boys Are and Little Girls Are. And the whole little book was made up of things like this. It said, little boys are blue jeans and little girls are frilly skirts. Little boys are coon skin caps and little girls are pretty bows. And she was all upset about that because it's gender specific. Hallelujah. God's still gender specific. Hallelujah. They, they call it, they call it sexual orientation and sexual oriented, you know. I'm telling you what the Bible calls it. It calls it hellish to be a homosexual. It is not an alternate lifestyle. It is not, not according to this book. Amen. The only lifestyle this book puts its blessing on is man and woman, man being a man, woman being a woman. Praise the Lord in every aspect. Well, praise the Lord. I'm glad we're living to the book. Hallelujah. Amen. But the woman here definitely is very feminine. And the two individuals, one which is Solomon, which we'll talk about some more, which if you were here yesterday, he is not the lover of this woman. He is the one trying to steal her love from her true lover, which is the shepherd. Amen. And uh, those two individuals are very definitely masculine. Very definitely masculine. Amen. Somebody was telling me here a while back about some type of new... Of course, it's not really new, but because uh, it's been going on for a while, some uh, version of the Bible now that comes out where all the gender specifics are taken out, including God and everything else. Amen. Of course, that's where you get the terms, which we don't even think much about anymore, but that's where it all comes up, salesperson. Hallelujah. So the salesman or sales lady, it's salesperson. Praise the Lord. My wife and I on the way up here listening to the radio, and it's talking about some club here in Baton Rouge on the radio. It said, uh, and the wait persons. The wait persons. Uh, and it also said this. It said, the wait persons are in drag. I said, what? She said, that they said they're in drag. In other words, it's the, the wait persons are men dressed like women. But they still call them, they're not weight persons, they're weight it's. Hallelujah. But in Proverbs, the 30th chapter, I'd like for you to try to find a common denominator here in this uh Reading Proverbs 30, verse 18 and verse 19. Brother Lee, if you would, please. There be three things which are too wonderful for me. There are three things that are too wonderful for me. That word wonderful there does not mean fantastic. It means mind-boggling. 
That's why in his name shall be called wonderful. That doesn't mean, even though he is fantastic, that is not the word. The word there means awe-inspiring. Amen. The, the mind is the, the thinking ability. Wonderful. To wonder much is what it means. There are, there are three things that are so hard for me to understand. Yes. And four which I know not. And four which I know not. The way of an eagle in the air. The way of an eagle in the air. The way of a serpent upon a rock. The way of a serpent on a rock. The way of a ship in the midst of the sea. All right, hold it right there. And the way of a ship in the sea. That's the first three things. Anybody see the common denominator between an eagle in the air, ship in the sea, and a serpent on a rock? Can you see what the common denominator would be in that? What is the one thing they all have in common? And there's only one thing that he's talking about there with those. Anybody figure it out? What one thing, an eagle in the air, ship in the sea, and a serpent not on the ground, but on a rock, which ought to help clue you in. The common denominator of all these three things is this. There is no trail left behind them. In other words, where they come from to get where they are, I don't know. That's simply what he's saying. Because an eagle in the air, you can see him up there, but if he come from the north, south, east, or west, I have no idea. Or if he dipped over there or rose over that way or, or flew around that tree. Or however he got here, there's no trail that marks his coming. How he got here, I don't understand. I can't trace his path back and find it. Same thing with a ship in the sea. It may leave a little wake. Amen. But it certainly doesn't leave a trail all the way from a dock to two miles out in the sea. Amen. Like a car would through a, a muddy road. It doesn't leave tracks. It doesn't leave a, something you can trace it by. You can't find which way that ship went after it's gone for a certain time. It doesn't leave a trail. And of course the serpent on a rock can crawl and wither and go its way and when it's went its way you can't trace him across the rocks. That's the common denominator of the first three. And then he adds, in four I know not. And the fourth is... And the way of a man with a maid. And the way of a man with a maid. The first three says, how they got here, I don't know. And what he's saying is, that invisible attraction between a man and a woman... I just can't understand it. We're not talking sensual attraction. We're talking about affection attraction. Amen. Interested uh, attraction. I, it's hard to, why this man and why this woman? What is it that traces, what, what brought these two particular people together? I can't trace it back. And when I start trying to understand something about that, let me just tell you this. There's times I gotta sit down and just shake my head and say, Jesus, why me? I don't understand. Amen. I can look back and know where I came from. Amen. And know what kind of hell hole I was in and what kind of hellion. Amen. You pulled out of it. Amen. But I can't figure out why you love me like you love me. Amen. But I'm so glad you do. I'm so glad you found me. I can't explain it all, but I'm so glad he found me. I'm so glad he wrapped his arms all around me. 
praise the Lord. Amen, amen. The way with, with God, a man with his bride, is not always logically understood. You've been in services where logic can't explain why God moved like he did. But he knows what he's doing. And predominantly, it's always his affection, even with its correction. Well, praise the Lord. Matter of fact, according to my Bible, if you don't correct your children, you hate them, according to this Bible. But he said, if you are children, then you are chastised, lest you be illegitimate. Well, praise the Lord. Boy, every time I get a spanking, I say, thank God I'm a child of the Lord. Amen. Well, I got a few amens. Praise the Lord. And the rest of you folks. But the way of that relationship is always not easy to trace, not easy to understand. Neither is it in your walk with God. God, in His way, has ways of dealing with us. God's Word tells us very plainly. And this world has, has perverted every attribute of godliness that there is until that some people don't know the true definitions of anything. They can only relate to it as they've known it in the world. That's why when you come to God, you've got to learn a lot of things over. Even though you know the Word, you don't know the real Word. Well, praise the Lord. And love is one of them. Praise the Lord. But God has designed love, romance, sex, and marriage to be something special and limited to one man and one woman. Oh, yes, he has. Hallelujah. According to the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 11 and 2, he makes it very clearly that this relationship of the church can only have one avenue for its affection. It cannot have be duality in nature. It must have one object of its affection and one only. In 2 Corinthians 11 and 2 it says, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. Now, now hold it right there just a second. Now that's the Apostle Paul saying that. He's saying to these Corinthians, I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. There are people that don't understand a preacher that rants and raves sometimes and stomps his foot, amen, when it, he has to preach some things that he preaches. Now these guys that somehow are going to run a harem of prostitutes. They don't care what you're doing. Well, praise the Lord. I said, they don't give a flip what you're doing. As long as you come and put your money in the offering and pay your tithes, they're going to put the big smiley tooth on that looks like a 57 Buick grill. Amen. But if you got a real preacher, he's going to be jealous over you with a godly jealousy. There's some things we're not going to have in this church. Well, praise the Lord. And some things we will not condone or put up with. 
Thank you, brother. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So he says, I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. And what? For I have espoused you. Everybody say espoused. What does that word mean? Espoused means to... Espoused means the mate, right? Sure it does. And espoused means that I have somehow engaged you or somehow have, have, have put you up for one person. And that reads how I've espoused you to what? To one husband. To one husband. Everybody say one. I've espoused you unto one husband. Yes. That I may present you. That I may present you. As a chaste virgin. As a chaste virgin. To Christ. To Christ. Praise the Lord. That is the objective of every God called preacher. Amen. To be able to present a church as a chaste virgin to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we do preach what we preach. We're not up here just trying to show some bravado or trying to show toughness. We're trying to keep a virgin ready to meet Jesus. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And the only way that he could present a chaste virgin, pure, without spot, without blemish, is by this, how shall a young man cleanse his way? Right here. They don't just go for young men either. It goes for everybody. By the Word of God. Living to God's Word is the only true source of happiness in this life, true happiness. It is the only true source of happiness in marriage. Real happiness. And these themes are predominantly heard and manifested throughout the Song of Solomon. In particular, the fact of one man, one woman. Well, praise the Lord. Amen, amen. Now, now you, may, you may hum that song and you may like it. Of course, some of that, a lot of that junk you need to get so far away from, it ain't funny. Of all the women I've ever loved. Sounds neat, huh? Let me tell you what, you can get, you, the world will so infiltrate your system and your mentality that it will form a mentality about things. And that's why you must be careful to what you get near that radiates to you. Which is, by the way, once we've always preached against television and the reason we're still preaching against it. Well, praise the Lord. Don't tell me that you can be a chaste virgin and set that in your front room. I said, don't tell me you can be pure and clean and have that filth dumped in your house. Hallelujah. Amen. But these are especially this one man, one one woman. That is what you're going to see in the Song of Solomon. Here the whole story is this. There are two men involved here. Solomon and the shepherd. 
Solomon is out to have this woman. And he'll use any and everything at his disposal to win her. The one thing you will see in here, of course this book opens with this setting on them when the curtains part. The scene is that she's already in the, uh, the arena of Solomon's control. Just as we're in the world, but not of the world. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The God of this world is, is the devil. Prince and power of the air. Hallelujah. And these two, this, this Solomon is going to use all of his wiles and his persuasion and his wealth and everything else he has at his disposal to win. And the thing you will see in here is this. Pardon the vernacular, but the one thing you cannot find him doing, he can use all of his charm and persuasion, but he cannot forcibly take her. He cannot rape her. Which all the way, all he wants is a sensual relationship to begin with. But he cannot rape this lady no more than you can be about the world. If you sin, it won't be because you got raped. It's because you got allured. It's because you went at it willingly. But the devil cannot take you by force. I said the devil cannot take you by force. He cannot take the Bible. You know, those people say, the devil made me do it. That's a lie. The devil didn't make you do anything. He meant what you got the right to choose, yes, and you got the right to say no. It's up to you to who you're going to hang out with. Praise the Lord. And that's why you can't be raped. You got to give in to it. Hallelujah. But you got to have in your heart, I don't want you, Solomon, or nothing about you. Well, praise the Lord. I'm glad for that. The devil can't take you by force. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. So let's look at the cast here just a minute in this Song of Solomon. Three predominant figures. Amen. Of course, the star of this is the Shulamite woman, which is typical of the church of Jesus Christ and of every individual saint in the church. Praise the Lord. Now Solomon, which again, like I said, there are a lot of people that, that simply because the book says Song of Song, which is Solomon's, and it says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, think that it's in reference to Solomon. No, no, no. Not at all. Because the rest of the book does not agree to that at all. Amen. That was just the introduction to tell you what the title of the book is. But the book opens in verse 2. Amen. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Amen. Solomon, as you well know, was the third king of Israel. He was the son of David by Bathsheba. And he was, of course, very talented. Being a king, he's certainly very rich. Amen. He began really well. He began really well. Amen. You remember how it was with Solomon when it was that uh, uh, God said... Uh, Here's you a blank check. Carte blanche. You fill it in, I'll, and I'll make sure the bank pays. You write what you want. You ask anything that you will, and I'll give it to you. And Solomon began so well because he asked of the Lord, God, I don't know how to come in. 
and I don't know how to go out. And I sure don't know how to lead this, your people. God, give me wisdom. And God said, because you did not ask for wealth and you did not ask for fame, I'm going to give you wisdom like no man before you has had and no man after you shall have. That holds true to this day outside of Jesus Christ. No man has had the wisdom of Solomon. Well, praise the Lord. Neither shall be after you. I'll also, since you did not ask, you know, God sometimes, you know, he said, you have not because you ask not. And then there are other times he gives because we did not ask. Depending on what you did ask, if you understand what I'm saying. Praise the Lord. And he had this good start, and God said, I'm going to give you all that. And so Solomon became the wisest man that ever stepped on shoe leather. Unfortunately. And this is what the elder was saying last night. This man had knowledge. He was wisdom personified. But this man's going to take the biggest fall. And he's going to, as one man said, die like a fool. There was one king, he said, he died like he had never been anointed. It's one thing to have run a little while, but brother, the end of the race is going to tell the story. Solomon's wisdom was not enough. It was not the ingredient. As Brother White preached last night, knowledge is not the prime factor. Oh no, it's not. We're not we're not we're not elevating blithering idiots. That's not what's being said at all. What we're saying is the knowledge there are there are backsliders out there today that knows who Jesus is. That knows Acts two thirty eight, Amen. That knows exactly what it takes in the lifestyle and everything else. They got that knowledge, but they're as far from God as they can be. This good start that he had was destroyed by a descent into idolatry. You know what brought all this idolatry about? Because a coyote circled around on the other flank. Solomon had a weakness. Big weakness. Anybody know what that weakness was? Anybody know? Smart as he was, women. Women was his weakness. Hallelujah. He accumulated women the way he accumulated other possessions in his life. What my eyes saw, I withheld not. That included not only just material things, it included very much so these females that attracted him. And he was king. He eventually had 1,000 women. 700 and 300. 700 wives, 300 concubines. 
They gathered there from all over the world. All heights, sizes, voice tones, complexions, blue eyes, dark eyes, beady eyes. No, that was the mother-in-law. This one fact, this one fact tells you that Solomon rejected God's plan, God's perfect plan for love and marriage. Well, yes, he did. And he never, 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 say what you want to say, but he never learned to love a woman. The Bible said he loved many strange women. He missed God's perfect plan. You know, you say, well, you know, God allowed this and God allowed that. There's a lot of things that went on. God said it wasn't so from the beginning. You might have missed the track of big ways, but it wasn't so from the beginning. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And most of his wives and concubines were not Jewish, by the way. Matter of fact, the bigger portion of them were not Jewish. They were women from foreign countries and they worshipped foreign gods. They were all idolatry. In 1 Kings, the 11th chapter, it gives you a rendering of this situation and what took place. Amen. 11th chapter, I'll give you that. Verse 1 through 8, if you would please listen as the elder reads. But King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come into you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their God. For surely they will turn away your heart after their God. Again, Brother White preached the judgments of God are true. That was, God said it will happen, and it did happen. Read. Solomon yes. clave unto these in love. And that word love there is a sensual word. Like you'd have a stable of horses for your entertainment. This was Solomon's ideal of love. Yes. And he had 700 wives. 700 wives. Princesses. Yes. And 300 concubines. 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. And his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old. When he was old. That his wives turned away his heart after other gods. Yes. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. Yes. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians. Yes. After Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Yes. And Solomon did <laughs> evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as did David his father. Yes. Praise then the did Solomon build a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab. Solomon, the builder of the temple. Solomon, the wise 
king. Solomon that prayed the prayer of dedication. Oh God. Thou art God alone. And if it ever be Lord that we become besieged by enemies. If any man will pray toward this place. You will hear and deliver them. And if we ever become a famine or some pestilence, that if we would pray toward this place. And after his dedication prayer, the presence of God filled that place. So they were unable to minister for his presence. That's Solomon praying that prayer. The nation of the children of Ammon, who sacrificed their children by fire to Molech. Yes. And likewise did he for all his strange wives. And for all his strange wives. If one of them had a God that was not the one of another, he built them also a place of worship. He built them a temple. He built them a grove. He gave them a place to worship. And these wives turned away his heart. He especially went after Ashtaroth, the Bible says which is the count, female counterpart of Baal. Baal being the sun god, amen. Ashtaroth being the moon goddess. But that's not all she was, amen. She was the goddess of fertility, amen. She is called Astor, amen, in the Greek, and Istar by the Babylonians, amen. She was a goddess of sensual love. And in her worship temple, you know how they worshipped her? By prostitution. Oh, yes, they did. To worship their moon goddess. They were not priests. They were priestess that officiated. And they were nothing more than so-called religious prostitutes. This is the Solomon we're talking about. This is the one we're talking about. This one that has this wisdom, who built the temple, who prayed that prayer, amen, but ends up in such steeped in idolatry, amen, turns away his heart from God, amen. He doesn't have the heart of David that was a man after God's own heart. This man had a heart for the sensual. That's why it's not Knowledge, it's relationship. You can be ever so wise, but I don't care if you're a walking, talking Britannica, unless you know how to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. You are just as carnal as a billy goat. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. What we need is a relationship. Amen. Of being able to know how to pray, being able to know how to worship, being able to know how to live for the Lord in a true relationship. Amen. Solomon ended his reign worshiping the gods and goddesses of the Sidonians and the Ammonites. That's the way he ended up. When he was old, that's the way he died. The wise temple builder. What a sad ruin. And so when you read the Song of Solomon, this is the story. This Solomon is after 1,001.
Is there one lady in this building that would feel particular or special in the midst of 1,000? Is there one lady here that would feel particular in two? Man with two wives. Huh? Aren't you glad you're not Mormon? Praise the Lord. This is one husband, one wife, the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. I've espoused you into one, unto one husband. This church is espoused. He's coming back after a bride that has made herself ready. But it's more than just some regimented lifestyle. It's more than just some dead dry ritual. He's coming back after a bride that has bridal affection. That has a bridal relationship. If there's going to be a marriage, you can be sure of this. Jesus is coming back after somebody that truly knows him. Hallelujah. Amen. This, this situation where that you read the song, it becomes clear that he's pursuing, amen, the Shulamite woman. He's going to try to do everything he can to take her away from her love that is not physically present. He's just another addition. You're just one more bed partner is all he's interested in. He loved many strange women. There is no relationship with Solomon with any of them outside of sensual. It's just one more notch on the pistol. One more mark on the blackboard. Hallelujah. You'd think, you know, a thousand women that somehow that, that, that man would say, that's plenty and enough. But there's a prescription the Bible said there's several things that's never full. Grave don't ever get full. And that's the way hell is. It ain't ever going to be satisfied as long as there's one saint living for God. Hallelujah. Over and over and over. Every time. This is what you're going to see throughout the book. We will not have time to go all and say we have went thoroughly through the book but what I want you to get you to see is this is that what you're going to understand is that Solomon is going to try to allure her amen he's going to try to bargain with her he's going to try to uh, uh get her to come over for other gratification means and for other reasons. He's going to impress her with his might. He's going to try to impress her with his wealth. He's going to try to impress her with his good looks. Uh, amen. But through it all, this one lady, amen, heart cannot be stolen. She has one love for one man. Praise the Lord. Amen. She's not interested in his kingship. She's not interested in his material wealth. She's not impressed by his scepter power. She's not impressed by his pharaohs, chariots, and horses. She's not impressed by his hanging gardens. She's not impressed by any of that. What she's impressed by is that she's in love with a shepherd. Hallelujah. And we're talking here today about, uh, about, about schools. Christian schools and so forth. Now, whatever your deal on that, that's okay. I just want to tell you this. A remark was made. 
that the same percentage amounts either way. If those that went to Christian school and those that went to public school, those that lived for God and those that didn't. It all boils down to this, my friend, and that is, it's what's going on in you. Amen. If you've got an attachment, you can go through hell itself, so to speak, in this world. You can go through every allurement. You can go through every... You can live in Caesar's household like the Apostle Paul did and still be a witness for Jesus Christ and still be living for God. But the relationship is what makes the difference. Hallelujah. And over and over again, she speaks of her love for a shepherd. She calls him over and over her beloved. Amen. Look at, let's get these scriptures. Chapter 2, verse 8, 9 and 10. The voice of my beloved. Yes, the voice of my beloved. Behold, he cometh leaping upon the mountains. Yes. Skipping upon the hills. Oh, yes. My beloved is like a roe or a young heart. Yes. Behold, he standeth behind our wall. He looketh forth at the window. Praise God. Showing himself through the lattice. Yes. My beloved spake, and he said unto me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Praise the Lord. Chapter 5, verse 10. Hallelujah. Read these in... Lord, if you would please, 5 and 10. My beloved is white and ruddy. Yes. The chiefest among 10,000. My beloved, 6 and 3. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. He feedeth among the lilies. Praise the Lord. 7, verse 10 and 11. I am my beloved's and his desire is toward me. Praise God. Come, my beloved, and let us go forth into the field. Yes. Let us lodge in the villages. All right. Praise the Lord. There is definitely in this uh, picture, in this song, in this, this sonnet of love and allurement, there is Solomon, the one that is trying to allure. And there is the shepherd who is a constant one, even though physically he doesn't show up until the end of this book. Praise the Lord. Amen. But yet, just the, the chapter 1, verse 7, again, you know, just show you about the shepherd here just a minute. Tell me, O thou whom my soul loveth. O thou whom my soul lovest. Where thou feedest. Yes. Where thou makest thy flock to rest at noon. Yeah, where where are you? That's what her thoughts are. It is a shepherd, not Solomon. So here's the picture and the drama as it unfolds. Solomon wants her and he wants her bad. He flatters her, offers her riches, pours out his charm. But she has one love for one man. She is not, she is neither intimidated, nor is she led over by being giddy by the most powerful, the most influential, the most wealthy, 
and no doubt a very handsome man. None of those things move her because her heart is already, when it opens, it opens with her already in love with her shepherd. And he may not be looking over her shoulder and watching her every move, so to speak, but that, that, that is not what keeps her from straying to Solomon's chambers. What keeps her is her love for her shepherd. I mean, how simple can you say it? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's just as plain and simple as it be. You can, you can hammer and holler and scream it and stomp your foot all you want to. But until that person falls in love with Jesus Christ, amen, it's all going to be rules and regulation. But when they get in love with Him, even your love will cement you. Your love will hold you. Your love will somehow put you in a place. I don't want to be unfaithful. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. And throughout this whole thing, her words and her thoughts keep returning to her beloved, her shepherd. Amen. Solomon wants to add her to his thousand. He's just one more, one more trick, one more cheap thrill. I wish that somehow that, that folks that are living for God could understand one thing. Whatever the allure of that world does, you are just one more little trick. You're just one more little fast one night stand. Praise the Lord and then to lose it all. But Jesus has a relationship for you. Jesus has something real and genuine and lasting for you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. God never has. And he never will intend for a man to be married to more than one woman or to have sexual relations with a woman or woman or women outside of marriage. Well, praise the Lord. I said, regardless of what this world says, it's still a cursed thing. It's still against God. It's still against this holy principle of this book. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Regard, like I said, that's why the mentality of this world is it's no big deal. Even among married couples that have a, a little spell of unfaithfulness. Much less among single young people growing up in this hellish world. When the, when the message is plainly given to them, amen, when they pass out condoms and paraphernalia in the public school, and that is, go do it, just be careful. Their, their whole perverted mentality, even the word lovemaking, they don't even know what that means. I'll tell you what real lovemaking is, is when you got your hands up, the Holy Ghost is moving in your heart and your life, and you feel the pull of glory in your soul. Hallelujah. All hell wants to do is drag you through the road ditch. I wish some of these young Holy Ghost young ladies could understand this one thing. To every sinner hellish heart out there, Male-wise, you are a challenge. All it wants to do is drag you through the filth. 
Hallelujah. And the story in the Song of Solomon is simply this. When it's all said and done, which I get excited about, it's Solomon's failure to seduce the Shulamite woman. She remains strong. She keeps her honor, her faithfulness, her fidelity. Amen. She keeps her courage throughout this thing. It'll give you such an inspiration to read after this lady. Whatever response Solomon makes, you know what comes in her mind? Her shepherd. Hallelujah. With everything Solomon tries, amen, she goes back to her shepherd. He's the one that's predominant. And he must receive the preeminence in all things. If you keep him first, you hear me? You can live it. You can do it. You can somehow survive. She was able to resist the most powerful, handsome, wealthy, glamorous, glamorous man of her day. And do it all for a lowly shepherd. Well, praise the Lord. Hey, Amen. You know, it's amazing. These, they can be as ugly, ugly as a mud fence. Those, uh, some type of predominant, uh, renowned person in this world. I've read some basketball player that, that talked about how many sexual relationships he had had with women. Ugly as a mud fence. But you see his power, his prestige, and all that. And some of the ladies are just waiting to get in line. You see, you see it all the time. You see pictures of these rock singers. And there they are just screaming, hanging over the podium. Young girls are Puke. I said puke. And then you're going to sit there like Kalijah on that pew when you come to the house of the Lord. And you're going to let that type of stuff go on in the world. And, and some of y'all did it when you was in the world. Now you come here and fold your hands in the seat. Amen. Beside you instead of worshiping and loving and magnifying God. There's something wrong with your relationship. If you want to do anything, you ought to feel after him. Happy that you might find him. There ought to be such a desire going in your soul. I need you, Jesus. You're my hero. Well, come on. Clap your hands to Jesus. Help me praise him here a little bit. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. 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 And so what you see in the Song of Solomon is she makes the right decision. She escapes temptation of the highest caliber. Amen. Remains true to her God and to herself and to her love. Praise the Lord. Amen. A shepherd was Certainly not a, a high prestigious position. Certainly not a judge against the king. How a bunch of relatives might have said, oh, you're an idiot. You can have king. And you want to stick with a shepherd. Some of your kinfolks are going to get you in bad trouble. If you listen to them. You go to church too much. God don't require all that. Let me tell you right now. He may, he, he may not require any, but I'm going to live for Him. Praise the Lord first and foremost. Praise the Lord. Amen, amen. So the woman chooses a shepherd over Solomon because she realizes that the character of the shepherd will bring her much more happiness. than the material possessions. 
of Solomon. You young men and you young ladies, you better look far beyond height, nose features and eye features and all the rest of that. You better look deep. If they're not here worshiping God and they're not in church and getting in it with everything got, you need to stay a million miles away from them. God don't want you to have that one. I don't care how tall, dark, handsome they are, how cute and curious she is. Amen. God don't want you to have that one. He wants you to have somebody that loves him. He wants you to have somebody that's caught up in living for him. Praise the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Matter of fact, go to Matthew 7. We're going to be closing here. Hallelujah. Just so much here. I can't get it all in for now, but we got some more time later coming. Praise the Lord. Your love for God ought to be the most precious commodity of your life. That's right. Praise the Lord. How can you treat, you know, naturally speaking even, husband for wife, how can you demean and defile that love? Huh? True love would, would go to the death before it do it. But just affection and and physical attraction ain't gonna work. Ain't near strong enough. Puppy love ain't gonna do it in this. You got to have full grown, mature love. Praise the Lord. Treat it like it what it is, something holy. Matthew seven and six. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs. Don't you give that which is holy to the dogs. Neither cast your pearls before swine. Don't cast that precious something before swine. For they'll only turn and rend you. What it's saying is, that when you take that which is holy and precious and give it to something that doesn't respect it nor know the value of it, It'll only rend you. A dog will never appreciate something priceless. It has no conception of what you're doing. It has no ability to comprehend the value. That's why your love for God, what you have for Him, you should never, ever, amen, first off between you and Him, and secondly between you and anybody else. Especially you young people. You don't give your love to a dog. Y'all hear me? I said you don't give it to a dog. You treat it something. You give it to something that knows and understands why you live for God. Why God is first in your life. You end up hooked up with something that doesn't understand church and doesn't understand preaching and doesn't understand praying and doesn't understand the things of God. You want to cut your own throat. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right, I'm finishing here. Let's, let's read verse 3. Chapter 1, verse 3. Praise the Lord. We've touched on this a little bit. 
yesterday, but I want to finish here today. Because the savor, savor of thy good ointments, thy name is as ointment poured out. Yes. Therefore do the virgins love thee. Praise the Lord. That fragrance, that's the, the analogy here is to a fragrance. Now you gotta, you gotta have a little bit of, you know, understanding of some of the times and places too to understand some biblical principles and precepts. And, uh, this may be one of them. Cause I can tell you right now, back in Bible days, you can be sure of this. People didn't bathe as frequently as people do now. They didn't change clothes as frequently as they do now. There were no deodorants. There wasn't any right guard. That's right. Not any real toothbrushes or toothpaste. Stripe it or otherwise. And you can be sure of this. Always where humanity was, close by was always horses, camels, donkeys, and all other type of animals. Just like out in that parking lot, it's all kind of metal animals that you rode here on. They're always were near. And of course, all the byproducts. And it wasn't carbon monoxide. Were also present. There were no air fresheners, no air conditioning. Aren't you glad where you are today? Praise the Lord. Amen. And, and as a result of all that, in other words, as a result of all that, when there's so much bad odors all the time, people are more conscious of a sweet smelling fragrance. That's why fragrance is such a, a high thing in the Bible. Cause it was something that was so desirous to, to somehow have a sweet fragrance. And this was the thought of, in the midst of all this smelly junk, in the midst of all of Solomon's allurements, she would begin to get the fragrance of her love. It far superseded the stink of carnality. Have you ever smelt the fragrance of heaven? Have you? With all the world going on and all that you went through today, but yet you come in and start praising the Lord. Next thing you know, you start breathing in the fragrance of heaven. He has made us set in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What a difference it makes. There is no substitute for this Holy Ghost touch. There is no substitute for this Holy Ghost experience. There is no substitute for this aroma from heaven. And our praise, by the way, is a sweet-smelling incense unto the Lord. Just like the altar of incense of prayer and worship was in the tabernacle. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I'm closing here. I'm not finished, but I'm closing. Praise God. And the fifth verse of that, we'll quickly just read this. I am black, but comely. Hallelujah. I am black, but comely. What she's simply saying is, she's making a confession here, and she's not talking about uh, Ethiopian black. But she's not that. She is a, a Shulamite. She is not, she's not talking about uh, Ethiopian black. It's talking about deeply sunburned, deeply tanned. Now, maybe that doesn't ring a bell with you simply because of this. Because the stigma is opposite than what it is today. 
In those days, being sun-tanned spoke of low degree because they had to work outside. And if they were darkly tanned, it means that they made their livelihood outside. They were not as, as, as upper crust as those that got to stay inside with a pretty milky white flesh. Even girls today say, oh, I'm so white. She's saying, oh, I'm so black. Opposite stigma. Praise the Lord. But what she's saying is this. She says, I'm black. Which, which signifies, I may be looked down on by you. You may not like the way I appear outwardly. But I'm beautiful. Comely. I'm not talking about, yeah, I'm black. I'm, I'm, I'm not much. Yeah, I'm a, I came from a low life. I'm not, I'm not anything special. But you see, my shepherd ain't never worried about my tan. He loves me for what I am. It is not my physical attraction that unites us. He loves me for who I am. Go ahead, world. Laugh at it if you want to. I'm not intimidated by our holiness standard. I'm not, a, I'm not intimidated by our externals. I'm not intimidated by, they call us, they call you what you want to, out of style, out of place. Amen. Call young ladies grandmas and all the rest of that. I'm not intimidated. Hallelujah. See, I may be like this on the outside, but you don't understand something. My shepherd loves me for who I am. He loves me from the inside. He loves me from my heart. And that's another reason. I love him. Let's stand if you would please. Praise the Lord. I may not be like what the world looks like, what they count as valuable as far as attraction. Amen. But I ain't worried about that. I'm beautiful when I come to the house of the Lord. Worship him in the beauty. Worship him in the beauty. Worship him in the beauty of holiness. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. What a beautiful time, a very picture of what I'm saying. Samuel, go down to Jesse's house. Because one of Jesse's boys, and God didn't name him by name, and he could have. Because this is something for Samuel as well as it is for David. That's why God doesn't always spell it all out. You go down to Jesse's house. One of his boys, I'm going to want you to anoint to be king. You go down there and find him. So he went to the house, and at Jesse's house was all of his boys except one. Of course, Samuel doesn't notice at the time. He looks over them. Man, here is a fellow that is tall, dark, handsome. I mean, got command appearance. He is CEO material. And he gets his jug all ready to anoint him and says, Come here, fella. And God says, Hold it, don't anoint him. He ain't it. Okay, God. Eliminates him. And these other two ain't bad yourself here. And he starts anointing. God said, Pass him by. For that's not him. Now, the next one, he knew it had to be. And when he got to there, God said, Would you quit looking? 
only outward. Look not on his countenance, nor on the height of his stature. Don't look on his countenance, nor the height of his stature, for... Because I have refused him. I have refused him. And for so, the Lord seeth not. Lord seeth not. As man seeth. As man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance. For man looketh on the outward appearance. But the Lord looketh upon the heart. And let me just clear a little something out there. A lot of folks take that right there to knock down holiness. That God just looks on the heart. Read what that said. For man looketh on the outward. He can't see in here. What he can see is what you manifest outwardly. Hallelujah. That's why we do preach holiness standards. Amen. We're, this is, this holiness standard is not, amen, to impress God. Amen. It is because of our lifestyle that we live this way. Hallelujah. It's because of what's in my heart that makes me want to live this among men. But men look at you and say, amen, you're different. Yes, sure enough. Praise the Lord. Amen. But they only come to learn, amen, something later when God fills them with the Holy Ghost. Why? It's all about for I have rejected him. This ain't none of them. And Samuel's a prophet. And he says, oh, wait a minute. Here we go through process of elimination. Here then we got to, God said, this house, you are Jesse, right? I did come to the right house, right? You are Jesse and, okay, then, then he ain't him and he ain't him and he ain't him. There's only one other thing. You got another boy somewhere you ain't got here? He said, yeah, matter of fact, I do, but... I didn't think it was necessary to call him in. He's short and ruddy. Hallelujah. He's just a little old boy. Uh, he's out there watching sheep. He said, you go tell him to get out here because we're not going to sit down till the king comes. Hallelujah. We're not going because that's got to be him. Uh, amen. I don't care what it looks like on the outside. God saw the inside. He saw heart playing. Amen. Worshiping glory to God. Shepherd that loved him. Praise the Lord. I love him. I love him. I love him. Too much to fail him now. I told him I loved him. It was easy to say. But when temptation came my way, it was a whole lot harder. But Solomon will tell you this right now. I'm not interested in your wealth. I'm not interested in your time. I'm not interested in anything else. you got my heart. It's for one shepherd. My heart is for one that's coming back after his bride. Jesus Christ, the shepherd of my soul. Praise the Lord. Lift your hands and love the Lord right now, would you? Come on, brother, brother, Tim, brother... Come on up here and sing. Praise the Lord. Come on, worship the Lord with me, would you? Praise the Lord. Come on, would you worship Jesus? Hallelujah, hallelujah. He is my beloved. He's my everything, my all, my bright and morning star. Praise the Lord. You're still Lord. Let's everybody come to the front. You're still my father. Everybody. Just walk this way. I feel your touch. You're still Lord. That's right. Everybody. You're